Welcome to Now We're Talking, a show committed to promoting empowerment and keeping the conversations going. Proudly sponsored by Intuit Africa, transforming global communities in Africa and Australia. Hello and welcome to the Now We're Talking show and welcome to part two of this four-part series on looking after our future. I would like to begin by acknowledging we are recording this show on the traditional land of the Ghana people and we acknowledge Elders past, present and emerging. In this episode, we are going to dive deeper into our conversations that were activated in our Wisdom, Wonder and Power episode last week. If you haven't listened to that episode, pop on over to our podcast and perhaps listen first so that you can then enjoy the full depth of this one. Last week, we welcomed Genevieve Hodge into our circle and wow, I for one learned so much from her and of course, my amazing co-hosts. And they, of course, really need no introduction, but I'm going to introduce them anyway. Elizabeth Elames from Living Attributes Typology and our Keeper of Wisdom. And Cherie Rowett from Heart Choice Enterprises, who is our Activator of Wonder. Hi, gals. Hi, Susan. <laughs> I know some people call us girls, some people call us ladies, some people call us the team. What's good in your world at the moment, Cherie? Oh, well, um, I'm actually, I think our weather um, here in Adelaide, where we're located, the weather's been quite kind to us this summer. We're getting some bursts of heat, some bursts of nice, sort of overcast, a bit cooler. I'm loving the variety. It's mm. really, it really suits me well. Yeah. Beautiful. Good time to get out in the garden. Oh, <laughs> great time. And I've been doing plenty of that. <laughs> I've got muscles on muscles now. Oh, that's so good. And keeping grounded. Yes, that's right. <laughs> literally. Love it. Love it. What about you, Elizabeth? What's been Good in your world. Well, what's been really lovely is we've put in some seedlings, some little plants um, in our greenhouse, So, um, which is lovely. We've got some lettuces growing and venturing in with some more zucchinis and spinach. And yeah, I just love going out there each morning because they have this um, a really fascinating growing spurt in the evening. So sometimes Ooh. they look like they've doubled in size overnight. Oh. It's wow. really, yeah, so that's really exciting. Mm. Yeah, so that's really nice. Yeah, I must say, you know, I've been busy um, just doing a lot of preparing um, for the year, but um, being able to just go out there and um, yeah, recharge a little bit and have a look at things that are growing is really lovely. That's so beautiful. So I'm going to take that on. You've you've activated me to to take that on a little bit of a different tangent, but still connected to the seed because I know one of the things that we did first when I first joined now was to um, we talked about the DNA and and what the DNA is in the seed of of what we do and how we do it. And it was something that was so pivotal to me and in my organisation. And I've been working with somebody else on on her DNA. And today I actually came from a meeting about Marley's business and the concept that he's activating around Lamborghinis and lemonade. And we talked about the DNA and it was a beautiful concept that I was I was working on with this person. And because it's lemonade, we were also saying, um, doing this sort of metaphor of a lemon tree. So I haven't actually gone through the process yet, but it's really interesting how we're all in that space of nurturing 
and planting seedlings and whether they're they're physical and they're growing into a zucchini or or a tree or whether they're growing into um, something else, a business or... Yeah, interesting, interesting. So in this week's show, we are going to dive deeper into our youth-focused campaign called Looking After Our Future. And if you remember last week, our team put a couple of words each into our circle of wisdom. From Genevieve, we had resilience and hope. From Cherie, we had the exquisite eyes and ears. And from Elizabeth, we had distinctions. And I put possibility in and we chose these words because they resonated with us around youth and the future. We also discussed a quote that we all agreed we loved and that had been in our zones before but was great to activate by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, who says, treat people as if they were what they ought to be and you help them become what they're capable of being. So the intention of this week's show is to dive deeper and keep the conversation going with a particular focus on one of our now ethos, which is embracing the journey. So I'm planning to frame this around the concept of ritual and ritual and our youth ritual and uh, community. And you know what? We'll see where it all goes. Don't go away. We'll be right back to get the Now Team Talking. You're listening to the Now We're Talking show on Radio Italia Uno 87.6 FM. Don't forget to download our app, Radio Italia Uno, for the very best listening experience. Are you at a point where your work or life doesn't seem to cut it anymore and the emotional feeling in your stomach or heart is calling you to do something different? Elizabeth Elames is an archetype activator and her purpose is helping you to identify what that something different is and why it surfaced. Teaching you how to bring your inner archetypes to life, Elizabeth can identify your story, activate your codes and align you with your soul's higher purpose. Find your inner strength and direction by visiting www.elizabethelames.com Maisha Flow is an Adelaide-based not-for-profit which empowers girls in Kenya. It does that by making sustainable sanitary packs for the women living in the slums. 17-year-old Alia Sarango does all of this from Adelaide, which also gives employment opportunities in Kenya. You can help by inviting Alia to speak at your business, school or corporate event. Follow Alia on Instagram, maisha.flow. You're listening to Now We're Talking, promoting empowerment and ensuring the conversation continues. Welcome back. You're listening to the Now We're Talking show. Today's show is focused on looking after our future. And I want to draw that a little deeper and explore embracing the journey. For this segment and the next, I want to draw on the teachings 
of a lady who's from Burkina Faso and her name is Sabon Fusome. For those people who don't know, Burkina Faso is in West Africa and we're going to draw on some of Sabon Fu's work and in particular her work on youth and ritual. So Sabon Fu is from the Diagra tribe and they believe, they have many, many customs and beliefs that, that come through in every part of um, how they live on the planet. Um, but one of them that we're going to focus on today is that they have this belief that every child comes into the world with a gift. And the elders in the community will go out of their way to find out who is coming and what their gift will be. So what they do is um, when they they bring together the, the expectant mother and she goes into a bit of a meditative trance-like state and during this process, the spirit of the unborn child comes through and the elders ask the unborn, who are you? Why are you coming? What is your gift? And then when the child is born, Everyone in the community is clear of why the child is coming. So they choose a name that fits the purpose of that child. And the name Sabonfu is, it actually means the keeper of ritual. So Sabonfu's role and purpose before she was even born was to be this keeper of ritual. And so so that's what she's done. So Elizabeth and Cherie, I think this is a really great topic for the three of us. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on ritual and the role it plays in setting a safe and secure foundation for young people when they're, when they're coming into our society, but also as they grow through society. I know for me, I feel like we've lost a sense of ritual or perhaps um, rituals have transformed into um, different sort of rituals. But I'm going to pass it over to you, Elizabeth, um, to hear your thoughts, ritual mm. and our youth. Mm, yeah, well, yeah, it's really close to my heart, This um, the idea of ceremony and ritual. So um, I remember as a mum bringing up two young boys um, and, and me also being on a spiritual journey at, at that time as well and still uh, I am uh, but uh, realizing how important it was to actually initiate some um, ritual or ceremony for them so um, so that's what my husband and I did do we did create um, some coming of age rituals mm. for both of them and uh, and they were quite different for each um, and one of the things, though, that was really interesting when I read about this um, uh, the shaman or ritual priestess, whatever we mm. want to call her, whatever she is, what is she exactly? Is she a shaman? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. Um, is that when I was pregnant with my boys, I um, created a song for each of them. Ooh. And uh, I found out uh, l- much later that it's actually a African ritual. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, and uh, yeah. So I these so these are short little songs, mm. um, very sort of folksy and sweet, or almost medieval type of songs. Um, but uh, I used to sing it to them when they were babies, and then um, when I found out about this other ritual 
that they have in Africa. Um, I also decided to sing it to them on their birthday, or not necessarily wow. sing it to them, but sing it on their birthday. Um, and again, it's sort of like a significant thing. And they actually, the, the process also, or the practice is that they also sing it when you die. So at your funeral mm. or your yeah. passing, they also sing that the song that the mother created. So, um, yeah, so this stuff is, yeah, I love it. Um, and I also remember in the naming of my children that that was also a really important process as well. And I used to have this vision come around uh, seeing my first son's name, um, like, what what did I need? Uh, what sort of name did this this person need that um, would really represent who they are and uh, the vision that would always come was a book and it was like well you know an author's name on the bottom of this book is that is that sort of going to work for this person I'm not going to say his name because he'll just like oh please mother why did you do that <laughs> uh, anyway so I won't say the boy's name okay okay that's just not even like, though we're dying to hear it yeah I know yeah <laughs> it's <I won't>. okay <clears throat> so both boys had um names with very um significant um, meaning behind them. My other son, I actually merged two names together and he's a really unique character too. Um, yeah, so I took one name um, of that time and then another name and then broke them apart and brought them together. Oh, I'm so, loving it. So <laughs> yeah. even the ritual of creating the yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. so beautiful. So, um, yeah, so I, I love all of that stuff. Um and, you know, when I used to do the work in Bali with the women and I'd come back, you know, from ex- all these experiences over there and they, they have so much ritual in their daily mm. practice. Um, so, of course, you know, <laughs> I'd come home and impose this on the family. <laughs> you know, okay, we're going to do a rice ritual now. You know, <laughs> sit down here outside in the garden and, you know, we're putting rice on your forehead and, and they're like, oh, my youngest one, he's just, he's so rebellious. <laughs> and he'd be just pushing back, oh, I'm not doing this. <laughs> Anyway. Crazy mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, but it's true, the Balinese have just such beautiful rituals. Mm. Yeah, yeah, moment by moment. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, everywhere. Like it was, yeah. Anyway, so I could, like I said, I could go on for hours about that. Um, yeah, so that's um, just some of And it, so yeah. with the song that you created, so you came up with the words mm. for the song mm-hmm. and, and how... Incorporating their name in the song, actually. Oh. Yeah. And how many years did you sing it to them for? Oh, probably up until, yeah, in their thirties. Yeah. Oh wow! So it's just like so. It's just completely embedded in their psyche. Do they ever sing it back to you? No, they okay. go, "Oh mother." <laughs> but, you know, secretly they love it. They would love it. Yeah, it's just like just such a beautiful representation of that connection between the mother and the child, and mm. oh, and and even you know they. One's in Sydney now and one works away. So, you know, it reminds me that, you know, I should probably sing that uh, a lot, you know, more at home, you know, you know, when I'm meditating and things like that because, um, yeah, I don't see them as much. Yeah. Mm. Well, and it'll be interesting. I They don't have children of their own yet, do they? But it'll be so interesting if and when they do to see, I'm sure that they will actually keep that practice and whether they'll sing your song to their children or whether they'll create a new song Mm. it's it's just beautiful Cherie what about you 
Uh, I'm chuckling as you speak there, Elizabeth, <laughs> and um, I've got a son as well. He's in his teens, and I, I sort of mentioned the topic of our show today, to t- and he sort of <laughs> scuttled out of the room, disgusted at the thought of the word ritual. You know, oh. so definitely, definitely, um, it's. I think ritual is something that we kind of come to appreciate more as we as we move along in life, and we can see the value perhaps for ourselves as well. Just how. Um, comforting it is to have ritual because ritual is really I had a little look at the word and it has that the word right in it R-I-T-E which is really about uh, the proper order of things mm. so it's mm. that sense of just putting life in order you know so you feel a bit more at ease because mm. there's a there's a right order about it um, so I thought that was beautiful it's interesting because in Africa there's a lot of rituals mm. and um, so when I came back here and found that I, I feel like growing up ritual tended to be more connected connected into religion. Mm. And so I went to a Catholic school and so there was that sort of ritual. But even now I think a lot of those rituals have gone and maybe it's about either um, activating rituals within our communities because I do feel that rituals give you the opportunity to feel safe. Mm. And they they sort of complete the circle, um, like Elizabeth was saying. From the, the song will be sung at birth, but the song will also be sung when you're transitioning. And or maybe it's about consciously activating things that we already do mm. as rituals. Mm. So perhaps I don't know whether people still sit down at the table together to eat a meal. I think lots of people don't. Um, but even that's a ritual. Mm. And and even those those old really days of mm. yeah 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 very very powerful one mm. and a great point of connection. Um, mm. Yeah, I know in in Kenya, ritual for boys is connected to the um, the rite of passage through circumcision, and um, like leaving judgment away from that. It's actually all about the ceremony and that tra- transitioning from being a young boy to being a man, and and you go and you have two weeks worth of lessons on what your life is going to look like now, and yeah, it's. It's such a fascinating topic. And I wanted to just come back on... um, Well, I think it's fascinating because I think in that sense, there's a community um, Mm. owning of the need to support each other through ritual. And it's not just mum or dad who are thinking, oh, what should I do for my son now? It's like there is a community tradition. And so I'm sure that that two weeks would be in the hands of... Um, elders of yes. the culture who yes. who run that program for yes. the young boys who are reaching that age at the same time. Yes. Yes. So it's sort of it just makes it easy for the families in that community to um, connect with the existing ritual rather than having to as a as a nuclear family think, yeah. which I think in our Western society is a bit harder because there's a lot more divi- like everybody does it their way. Yes, you know, which, yes. which is harder then to come up with something. Uh, you know, on your so own, much that's harder. meaningful, and that your kid's not thinking, "Wow, we're on some other planet because nobody else is doing this." And you mm, know, so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I know in Rwanda they have a ritual connected to naming a child, which is which is similar because what they do is they bring everybody together um, after the baby has been born, and then they have a big celebration, and everybody chooses a name for the child. So you kind of put everybody's name into the hat, and then the parents go off. And discuss, 
And then they come back and they introduce the child. Now, the parents may well have already chosen their own name, but what it does is it creates that ritual and it also creates the collective ownership Mm. and the collective responsibility Mm. of now being part of raising that child. Mm. And... And, and it's very beautiful. And, and I was going to come back to, Elizabeth, what you said and just add to that with when we name our children mm-hmm. and, and that ritual associated with that. And I know with my kids, uh, I, I spent a lot of time and particularly with, well, no, with all of them, but with um, Tashania, my first one, who was adopted, it was really important for me that she had a name that was going to be like what you said with, with your son. Um, bringing her through well through the world as the embodiment of that name, and her name actually means miracle, and her middle name is Hope. So, <laughs> so she. <laughs> and then Aaliyah, of course, is one of great strength and wisdom. Oh, and my girls had different names when they were in the orphanage, um, and then we, but we renamed them. And then Marley, apart from being Bob Marley, is um, in Arabic it means a gift of wealth. And then Amalia is a gift from God. And I think it's really interesting, even for people who are listening, to just um, do a check-in and, and just just connect back into the name that you chose for your child and why you chose that name for your child. And, yeah, and just sort of acknowledge that, that about yourself. Great conversation. We're going to be back just after the break. You are listening to the Now We're Talking show on 87.6 FM Adelaide. Into Ed Africa, an organisation that's changing the world for the better, transforming global communities by challenging the status quo of education and operations in Africa and Australia. Using a social enterprise model with global connections, working with people on the ground as their guides, helping build and develop sustainable education and purposeful enterprise facilities in Kenya and Rwanda. Visit their website, intoafrica.org, to donate or call their CEO, Susan Knapp, on 0414 651 012. You're listening to Now We're Talking, promoting empowerment and ensuring the conversation continues. Welcome back to the Now We're Talking show. We are on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM Adelaide, and we're going to consider today's topic, which is looking after our future. And in our deep dive today, we're going to take some of the words from our wisdom, wonder and power circle from last week and weave them through embracing the journey and rituals. That's a bit of a that's a bit of a big ask, but I know the team is totally up for that. So Elizabeth, last in our last episode, your word was distinction and that was put so elegantly into our our circle. And we applied that to helping our young people gain distinctions. So I wanted to ask you, do you think if we as a culture practised rituals, it would assist our young people in making distinctions? Mm, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, and that's really that's what rituals are all about, is actually having distinctions. So, Ooh, you know, so if we it. look at a bar mitzvah, that's 
what it's all about is actually understanding your role in society as a spiritual young man. So, um, yes. you know, there's that aspect. Yes, yes. So having to practice the, um, the Torah and all of that. Um, is part of it, which, you know, when you were talking before, I had that vision of um, First Wives Club with um, (laughs) (laughs) Bette Midler and and a few others. And, you know, so she's in the experience of, you know, um, going through a divorce and uh, her son is coming up for his bar mitzvah. And, uh, you know, he's all he's worried about is who's going, the music that he's going to have at the, at the party, <laughs> right? You know, so it's a bit like a, a, um, a confirmation or a, um, you know, when we have a christening, mm, you know, sometimes mm. a celebration can get a little bit out of hand or a wedding, hey, hey, mm, a wedding's the big one. Yes. Um, so the focus on the, um, the dress and, and how much it is and the ring or the engagement ring, all of those things can get in the way in our culture. But in actual fact, it's the pr- you know the process of going through the ritual, which is the most powerful thing. And um, reminds me also, talking about weddings, of a wedding I went to, um, it was a, a mixed wedding, Greek and Australian, and um, the bride was Australian. And I had never seen this done before, and it was ex- just beautiful, um, where all of the men in the family, um, halfway through the night, um, all started dancing around the bride on a chair. And she was like this goddess, sta- like a Greek goddess, mm. standing on this chair, you know, because they also do the plates, breaking mm-hmm. of the plates and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so she's standing there sort of doing her thing, you know, like enjoying the music. Um, and they're just honouring her, like adoring her actually, mm. um, around her. So it's like empowering her as a, um, you know, a strong woman in their community, like inviting her into the community and, and family and in her power though, you know, like yeah. you know, moving from the maiden, mm. so to speak, um, into a bride and a queen, you know, now mm. she's a queen because she's been a bride. Uh, yeah, these are in archetypal mm. terms. Um, and, and just this masculine honouring the feminine, I loved it. Um, so that's one thing. Um, <laughs> so there's that. Uh, but also, you know, we've had many, many rituals um placed in our society for these reasons yeah you know yeah. So, so and they do come across as being religious but they were probably originally pagan anyway mm, yeah, um, for sure. yeah and they've just transpired into that which brings to mind um the cycle of a young woman you know when she has a menstrual cycle and mm. um, so there's a, always been ceremony around that originally um, which has sort of really dropped away but the fact that that women have that process, it is like a ritual, a cyclic ritual that happens monthly. Mm. So they go through this sort of, this growth of, you know, embracing their journey and, and understanding what's happening to their body. So um, so in Indigenous culture, there were initiation rites. So it, that's a, a female initiation rite. So for males, um, there were initiation rites, like you were talking mm. about before, that happen in um, other cultures. But, of course, in Western culture, or say in Australian culture, there isn't that, which then what happens is young men create their own ritual around being ris- uh, risky or... Um, yeah, pushing things to the limit mm. to try and find their manhood in that. Mm-hmm. Yep. When in actual fact, if there was a proper 
uh, rites of passage that they could really connect to and create distinctions around why they're going through these feelings and and what the, what it means to be an adult in this world. Um, they're the distinctions that really um, add value to their lives. Um, opposed to the memories that they wish, like, oh, I wish I never did that. Mm. But in actual fact, they were creating their own rites of passage, so to speak. Yeah. And as I'm hearing this, I'm feeling like it's actually quite a teachable moment because mm. it's it's actually not hard to activate ritual within our society, within our community, within our family. Maybe we've just become a bit um, blasé about it or we've, we're not understanding that it, it is that pivotal tool to empower our young people to make distinctions and to feel supported in the, the decisions that they make in life and, and, and things like that. So Cherie, Cherie and I are both parents of uh, young people and last week you spoke of something that I think all parents can relate to which was um, connecting into potentially shifting our young people's perspectives from consumer to contributor. And I thought it was just so powerful um, and something that I think a lot of our listeners can actually relate to. And then your words were eyes and ears. And so I thought we would take those consumer to contributor and combine them with eyes and ears. And then I wanted to ask you, do you actually think that consumerism has replaced ritual in our society? Mm. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. I've got some good questions today. <laughs> oh, haven't you just? Yeah. So does... Uh, Choosing what we want, saving up for it, going buying it, having a transaction, is that the new ritual? <laughs> wow, you know, it's it's almost yeah. like we, we do that so ritualistically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, there's definitely that retail therapy that even adults of all ages mm. enjoy, isn't it? Like we get that little bit of a, an emotional um, coping strategy to think of, you know, oh, I just need to get that thing and then I'll be happier. You know, so yes. it, it really is woven, isn't it, through our society. So I guess in some ways... It probably has infiltrated that what was previously quite a sacred area of ritual. Yes. Probably these everyday little transactions have become uh, a, a, a ritual that has wow. some sort of, you know, emotional mm. meaning, spirit, lift our spirit with our, mm. our consumerism, you know. So it's powerful because I think um, even taking that back to what Elizabeth said about distinctions, maybe we as adults are, are creating this ritual through the distinctions we make over what we're going to consume. <laughs> and that's not a very good role modelling. <laughs> and I know when you brought that up, Cherie, it really, really connected um to me, because I know my kids were really, my young kids were really connected into consuming. And we lived in the wealthiest country in the world, that was Qatar, and we had disposable incomes. And so they sort of came into this world, into this enormous consumer consumer reality. And it used to drive me crazy, even though I knew I was the, the catalyst for it. And with my kids, what happened is once they actually started their own businesses and they started understanding the fundamentals of earning their own money and oh, not just that, a bigger element of how to channel their money, they stopped consuming. They, they really did. And it's and so fascinating because I do think that a lot of parents are struggling with the consumer, the ritual of consumer culture, and we haven't necessarily taken ownership 
of the role that we've played into it. You know, maybe we've even like gone gone away with having dinner at the table all together, but you know, we go shopping. <laughs> <laughs> I, I dread to even think about it. Elizabeth, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I'm actually just thinking, you know, around that word distinction again is, mm. a, and your conversations that are um, bubbling up is that I actually also think a lot of that is there's a lack of I- uh, identity that has happened. For so, sure. So people are using consumerism to actually find their identity, but in actual fact it's actually ritual and ceremony that does grow that. That's what its purpose is, is to give the person the identity um, along the way, you know. So you, a rites of passage is, you know, you are this and then, you know, like um, once you've had the ceremony or the, the ritual, you will be this on the other side. Yes. So it's, it's constantly growing your identity to be more of who you are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And even in when we were young, you know, the, even something like the, the ritual of Christmas, it would there would be that offering of a gift at Christmas, which did have some symbolism because we didn't get stuff the whole year. Mm. Nowadays, kids are actually getting stuff the whole year. And so the, even the ritual of that exchange of a beautiful, thought-out, unique gift is actually lost mm. It's oh, it's it's interesting you're talking about the gift. I've got this lovely little book that talks about you know from uh, solstice to Christmas. I think you know it's mm-hmm. like the um, the history of that that ritual of that time of the mm. year, and um, looking at what where the gift thing come from. So uh, you know, ov- obviously, a lot of people would say that it's also come from the three wise men because they came mm. with gifts. Um, but apparently also one of the things that happened, and did you know that we nearly lost Christmas lots of times? <laughs> no. Yeah. Can you believe that? <laughs> no, seriously. How did we lose it? Um, I'll have to do a bit more research on that Okay. One. Yeah, but like, there are, there's, a, there's quite a few different times in history where it was actually looked like they were going to lose it. Mm, okay. Yeah, I think, you know, from the different churches and things like that, um, because of it, the nature of it, um, the way that we um, celebrate it. And uh, continuing on about the gift thing is that because there was a lot of indulgence at that time of year or a lot of celebration mm. of feasting, the idea of gifting was to balance that. So oh, yes, yeah, so to actually yeah. give to somebody. Yes. So if you're yeah. you're taking all of this in, you must give. Mm. You must also give. So yeah. So that was interesting, and I love that because that yeah. also connects into our ethos of um, desire to serve. Yeah, it's actually understanding that yeah. that equitable exchange of giving mm. and receiving and and being of service mm. as we embrace the journey. But I think just to wrap up this segment, I think it's something that our listeners could could potentially take away and have some have some reflection with themselves about and how do you or do you uh, implement ritual into your household and into your communities, and what role do you think ritual pay, plays in? Um, in encouraging our youth to to look after our future again, that equitable exchange of us looking after them and them looking after the future. So, just a beautiful conversation, ladies. And we're heading to a break now. You're listening to the Now We're Talking show, and after the break, we'll be discussing ways of keeping the conversation going when it comes to looking after our future. 
You're listening to Radio Italia Uno on 87.6 FM. Heart Choice Enterprises offers occupational therapy services that assist in making life doable and enjoyable for adults with lived experience of disability and for caregivers. Using an occupational therapy framework, Heart Choice Enterprises also develops and leads projects that promote inclusive communities. The Heart Choice Enterprises mission is to co-create belonging and well-being. Their vision is balancing heart and mind in living, leading and caregiving. Visit their website www.heartchoiceenterprises.com or call 0401 065 234. You're listening to Now We're Talking, promoting empowerment and ensuring the conversation continues. Welcome back to the show. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to Radio Italia Uno on 87.6 FM and we are the Now Empowerment Collective. Right now, we are keeping the conversation going on the topic of looking after our future. It's one of our Now Campaign's youth-focused campaign. And today we have our Wisdom, Wonder and Power Circle and we've been discussing ritual, consumer culture and so much more. And as we would love you, our dear listeners, to activate conversations in your communities and with your young people, I want to briefly refer back to the work of Sabon Fusome with some points that I believe all of us can ponder and hopefully even start implementing. So Sabonfu teaches us that everybody comes into the world with a gift and obviously rituals are, are the rite of passage for, for activating that. So she says, what is your gift? So simple. What is your gift? What is the gift that your child has brought into this world? She says that we're not born as tourists. We're, we're not here to just wander aimlessly. We are here because we have goodies to give to the world. And without the goodies, we actually wouldn't be here. So imagine what our life would have been like if we had a community who welcomed us and found out what our gift was. Maybe from the time that we, we first enter the world. And maybe that's a group of women who, as you were being born, they saw you as the star that you really are. And they saw you as someone who was bringing something that nobody else could bring. And it really takes us back to our quote from last week. We're born into a community that automatically valued you and invited your gift out from the moment you enter this world. So, Cherie, I thought our listeners would love for you to share how you believe we can see the gifts our young people bring. And the reason why I chose you, Cherie, is also connected into last week when you'd said your word was eyes and ears and then oh, I yes. said, but we have to add heart. <laughs> and because you are our heart centre, 
How do you think, if there's parents at home who are thinking, oh, my kids are really frustrating me and it's school holidays and school is potentially not going to open, how can we see those gifts and really create that energy around them? Uh, yeah, it's actually, it's very empowering time for parents, I think. Mm, that's um, a good way of looking at it. It mm. is, because um, I think for any uh, human, we want to be seen and we want to be heard. And how we are seen and what gets noticed, um, how we're heard and what get, gets noticed in what we say, kind of affirms... Um, other people's interpretation of our value and who we are, our identity. So it can get really easy to get triggered and see lots of the bad stuff. Mm, and so um, true. Yeah, as a parent, I just find I have to shake myself up. And a good way to guard against it is to start letting in the good stuff, you know, start seeing the good things that happened. Mm. <laughs> and then giving that voice and, and, and saying that to your child, you know, oh, today was fabulous. I just love the way you got into that thing that you did or mm. you know I love the way you initiated that thing I love the way you took the time to you know give the dog the walk or spend time with the dog in the garden whatever it is find that good thing and let the your young one know that they were seen and they were heard and they mattered and they contributed mm. Mm. and that that contribution was seen and heard and appreciated. So and I think you did that mm, so well mm. in last week's show I know it really came up for me when you said you were able to flip the potentially the annoying video games that lots of our young people engage in for long periods of time. And you were actually able to flip that and draw lots of positives out of it with teamwork and cooperation. And and, and I think that was a great tool and, and what you're saying in terms of it's, it's about setting our own conscious intention of really looking for those gifts. Mm. And as we do that, I think it... Again, it comes back to our young people rise up. And um, Susan, it, it also makes me think of that um, thing, and it's an, an African thing I've read of as well. So it's so interesting that you're mm. um, bringing this beautiful um, African shaman's work and quotes into our show today because I think people, our listeners have probably read this as well. It's um, about the Ubuntu tribe in South Africa, mm -hmm. and anthropologists have shared that what they observed when they spent time in the villages there was that... Um, uh, they really see that each person's humanity towards others, that's what the word Ubuntu means, is our humanity towards others, that we, we're mm. human together, you mm -hmm. know, in community we create our humanity. And so when somebody does something wrong, when there's a transgression, something that um, lets the community down, instead of banishing that person and punishing them, and so just using the eyes and ears to see the bad, mm -hmm. what the village does there is that they bring the person to the centre of the village and they surround them and the people around them speak of all the good that that person has done. And they can spend up to two days doing that with the person who's transgressed and remind, imagine that, imagine oh, everyone's eyes imagine. and ears reminding you of your goodness yes. and your contribution yes. and the humanity and the value of you in their community to have all those eyes and ears sharing that with you, mm. re reflecting it back to you. And um, it's really a ritual to help that person recall um, their true nature, their true nature, their mm. true value. I love it. And how needed they are in that community. Um, and how their choices matter. And mm. and I just think, you know, we're not 
obviously we're living here in a Western culture and, and wherever our listeners are listening to this from, you're living in whatever culture and community you're living in with whatever rituals you've got going mm. there. But I just love that we could learn from that principle of that idea of witnessing and giving word and voice to um, our young people's value. You know, they need to know that. It. We can all transgress, but if we get sure. stuck in mm. getting stuck into each other about it, mm. that creates a different identity and perhaps a different trajectory. And it reminds me of the, the work of Brian Stevenson, who is the author of Just Mercy. And he um, is a lawyer, an African-American lawyer, who has done a lot of advocacy to get um, in wrongly incarcerated men off death row. Wow. And a beautiful quote that he says that I think connects into what you're saying is, we're never the sum total of our worst behaviour. Yes. And when we can flip that, and I know his program is starting to operate in prisons and, and different organisations, but when, when we can flip that, mm. th- that's like a superpower. Yes. There's, there's just so much in it. So, Elizabeth, let me draw you into this conversation. Sure. What are your thoughts? How I know you're an expert on this. How do we see those gifts? Mm. And, so, and and even yeah. a little bit more. How do we? How do we not even have to look? How do we create them so that they're just automatic? Mm. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, oh, for sure. No, it's. I know it's, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and I guess the. This is a bit of a how section. So um, I would uh, create an environment um, for those gifts to be present. Mm. Um, so, you know, I'm just sort of thinking, because we can really go on our own experience. So um, so for me, it was, you know, with my first child, it was, um, you know, creating every learning opportunity available through me and just uh, through their toys and things like that. Um, you know, as learning, um, it became very clear that that child was very good at drawing. Um, so, you know, because you know my vocation is um, around people being on purpose, so it was to encourage that um, the drawing, the process of drawing, as much as possible. So, um, for our listeners, I would really encourage people to make sure that the environment isn't necessarily congested with merchandise Mm. Um, and even though you know of course my children had that as well but now you know so many years on that's become a glut of um, of Mm. pollution really Um, so and to just be aware is are we buying things that are nurturing our child's gift or just um tending to their wants mm. um, and not necessarily what they need. Uh, so, yeah, plenty of paper if the child's artistic and just always letting them draw, um, letting them have tools that they can play out in the dirt, just to, to really nurture those gifts because I really, yeah, am hot on that one. Mm. Um, yeah, so, and, and having the distinction that once you identify that is like using your gift doing what you love and correcting and transforming what it is you see in the world that makes you sad or that you know that you could help to fix. Because, you know, what I remember from what Jen said last week was that um, there's a lack of hope for a lot of youth. So if you're able to identify what your gift is and then apply that to doing what you love and correct and transform what we need in the world, that's not overwhelming. 
because it's yeah. actually just that beautiful little particle that's you, this light particle that's you that has a splendid gift to give to the world and you don't have to try and be like anyone else. Mm. Yeah. So just on the end of that, talking about children in those early stages, you know, I'm at home doing the housework. My son comes up to me, the younger one, and says, Mummy, just letting you know that I'm going to make my own theme park one day. <laughs> okay? <laughs> that I, that's what I'm going to be doing. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Off he goes. And I remember having the thought, oh, my God, how will I ever help him to do that? <laughs> right? I didn't had mm. no idea how that could ever happen, right? Mm-hmm. I reckon he was probably four years old at the time. And lo and behold, in his 30s, he gets to do design mm. a theme park in Qatar. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. just—he never even went to try and do it. So, all I can say is, if you can hold space mm. for your children mm. around their gifts, yeah, that's that's being a parent. Yeah, that's being a really loving, absolutely generous parent. If you can just hold space and be observant enough to get have the distinctions of what this child is actually really has the capacity to do mm. now you know he he just didn't he thought it was a scam when mm. the email came in <laughs> eventually he actually became the art director for that company while he was there mm. it wasn't his you know <laughs> well and it time, connects back but, into know. our quote last yeah. week of um b- believing them Believing Ooh. their or trusting their judgment yeah. and believing they are what they are supposed to be. Absolutely. And I think holding space is not always easy because we have to actually let go of some of our preconceptions. But the validity in it is just so important. And sometimes the gift of our child is just to be. Just to be. Just by virtue of being, it's their gift. And so, unfortunately, we've come to the end of our show. We could have gone on. And I would like to say thank you so much to my beautiful co-hosts, Cherie and Elizabeth, for bringing their wisdom, wonder and power into our circle today. Please join us again next week at the same time for the Now We're Talking show. We'll be moving into part three of our four-part series and we're going to give you a touch more wisdom, wonder and power. We look forward to connecting up with you then right here on Radio Italia Uno. And if you haven't downloaded the app, it really is the best listening experience. And until then, my favourite quote by our leader of wisdom, don't be seduced by the problem, be inspired by the solution. <laughs>